Welcome to the Creative Pen Podcast. I'm Joanna Penn, thriller author and creative entrepreneur, bringing you interviews, inspiration and information on writing, publishing options and marketing ideas for your book. You can find the episode show notes, your free author blueprint and lots more information at thecreativepen.com and that's pen with a double n. And here's the show. Hello creatives, I'm Joanna Penn and this is episode number 706 of the podcast and it is Friday the 4th of August 2023 as I record this. In today's show, I'm talking about the book marketing mindset shift and the power of ad stacking with Ricky Wallman. We discuss how to foster a positive attitude towards marketing and how to separate our books from ourselves what ad stacking is and how to use it if that suits your goals, and how written word media has developed into an ecosystem for book marketing that Ricky describes as a fun theme park with lots of rides. And we laugh a lot since we are friends and enjoyed the chat. So that's coming up in the interview section. So in publishing and book marketing, Jane Friedman in the Hot Sheet newsletter, which is always fantastic, linked to an interesting article about the current situation in traditional publishing, written by publishing consultant Kathleen Schmidt on her Substack Publishing Confidential. And the headline was, Book Publishing is Broken. And it's a pretty interesting article, as ever, links in the show notes. It covers layoffs at Penguin Random House and the end of a number of imprints and goes into the reasons why imprints close and obviously financial reasons. Uh, She also talks about consumer behaviour and the economy and how that's changing, book publishing as a business and the need to remain profitable and why frontlist and backlist sales might be lagging. Plus the branding problem of the publishing industry, the fact that readers are loyal to authors, not publishers, for which we as indie authors can be grateful. And she states that too many books are published with the encouragement to tighten lists. So I thought it was a really interesting read, uh, but the most interesting part is the section about social media and how things are not how they used to be in terms of author platform. And I commented a little on this in my response to the branding shift from Twitter to X and how Twitter used to be, you know, people like, oh, how many Twitter followers does an author have? And that might impact whether they got a book deal or and then it became how many followers on Instagram or how many followers on YouTube or how many followers on TikTok or whatever. And what she says is, agents, editors and publishers must understand that an author's social media following differs from five years ago. I realise that an author's platform is attractive to them, but they must look beyond the number of followers. An author can have 200,000 followers on Twitter and no one will see their tweets. An author might have 150,000 followers on TikTok, but get only 200 views per video. Social media companies own their algorithms and do as they please with them. There are no guarantees that any social media platform will stick around. Signing people to book deals based on an average book idea and a large social media following is no longer viable. So I thought this was really interesting because you could say this to authors too. So I have uh, over 85,000 followers on Twitter and yet there is almost very little reason for me to post there anymore because it doesn't sell books anymore. People might say the same about any of the platforms in the way that things have changed. So um, it is definitely, there are definitely still people who are saying, yeah, TikTok sells books, Instagram sells books, YouTube sells books and all of this. And we kind of all need one kind of way to talk to our readers. But I always want us to come back to email. (laughs) So and uh, once again, the, the whole point below this is do not build your entire business on someone else's land, because at some point the rules will change. It'll be pay to play. They'll change the algorithm and it's out of your control. 
So interestingly, Kathleen put this article out on Substack, which I notice a lot of authors are doing now using their free tiers. And I subscribe to a number of Substack email lists. But remember, again, if something is free, you are the product. That has always been true. And Substack, as well as any of these other platforms, they have to have a viable business. So whatever you decide to do with your author platform, figure out how you are the product if it is free and whether you would rather pay for a service where the the company is getting their revenue from you paying some kind of subscription. So obviously Substack take a percentage of paid subscriptions, um, but who knows how things are going to change in the future. So just some reminders, some good reminders how much things change. And again, I, I feel like having, because I have this view of things, as in when I first came in, we were talking about the end of MySpace. And of course, you won't even, most of you who have started on book marketing sort of in the last few years would never even heard of MySpace or would like, I don't even know what that is. Um, you know, we had Tumblr, there, there are all kinds of services that appeared and disappeared, publishers that have appeared and disappeared. And, and this, that's why it's good to have a read of people who've been around a bit longer. And obviously, Kathleen has some. I also think she's got some other good articles. It's well worth going and have a look at this, kathleenschmidt.substack.com. And I'll link to her channel in the show notes. But she has uh, some other interesting articles around marketing books in 2023, which goes into Goodreads and the problem of review bombing. And I, I feel like most of us don't really use Goodreads anymore. Um, why book trailers don't work for selling books. Why TikTok is is such a headache <laughs> and thoughts on paid ads as well as articles breaking down author advances book profit and loss and more now this is traditional publishing focused but i always like to keep an eye on the other side of the industry so yes links to that in the show notes the hot sheet also linked to a Politico article reporting that the Federal Trade Commission in the USA is about to launch the antitrust lawsuit against Amazon that aims to potentially break up the company. This has been in the works for years and I have talked about it several times before. These things always take longer than expected and of course the case may fail anyway. But basically it will, quote, challenge a host of Amazon's business practices around Prime as well as the way third-party sellers are encouraged to use Amazon services like logistics and also the bit that is interesting to us, Amazon's rapidly growing digital advertising business will also likely be targeted. The agency is concerned that Amazon forces merchants to buy ads in order to get better placement in customer search results. The FTC sees advertising as a tax Amazon can collect after forcing sellers to use its platform through price parity provisions requiring the lowest prices on the site. So this comes down to if you own the product, if you own the books, you own the suitcases, you own the whatever, and you own the store, and you own the ads, how can anyone compete? And that is essentially what they're going after. This is a sort of how can anyone else do business when this is tied up as it is? So have a think about that. Try and remove your emotion <laughs> from from the situation. Let's go through a thought experiment of what could be the outcome of this legal case. First of all, nothing happens. The case fails. Everything continues as usual. The question here is, how long does everything continue as usual? <laughs> we like to think things do, but uh, as I just discussed, everything changes. But that is the first possibility. Nothing happens, or at least nothing happens now or next year or for an, a year or two. The second part is that Amazon keeps the most profitable parts of the business and spins out other things. So, for example, they might keep AWS, the cloud hosting software and now AI part of the company. And then they might also keep advertising as well as the store and the logistics side, all their factories, all their uh, robots, all their and again, the ads, which is a really profitable business now. And so the bit that is the least profitable part, as far as I can see, is the product aspect. So that is books, publishing, studios, music, any kind of content 
they could spin that into a content business, they could sell it, uh, they could do something else with it. After all, Jeff Bezos was the one who loved books and wanted to win an Oscar with movies. Andy Jassy comes from AWS, the uh, web services side. So those are the two scenarios I think of. Um, Of course, there are many other variations of what could happen. But yeah, nothing happens or everything changes for us. (laughs) Either way, there would still be books, music, movies, etc. But who knows where that might go. So I want you to have a think about how these scenarios might impact your business um, and how you might want to future proof your author business for the next two years, five years, or 10 years. And again, I'm coming up to 15 years. So yeah, and as I've mentioned before, I really consider my Shopify stores, creativepenbooks.com and jfpenbooks.com as the basis of my next 15 years as an author, interspersed with Kickstarter campaigns for different projects. And of course, still publishing wide on all the other platforms, including Amazon, just not with all my special editions. So Again, we have to pivot as things change. It doesn't mean dump everything and move 100% into a new business model. It just means trying to keep an eye on what may shift and making sure that you are able to shift with it. I would love to know what you think. So uh, as ever, you can leave a note on the show notes. <laughs> a comment on the blog is how we used to say that, but I kind of don't blog anymore. Uh, the, the podcast show notes are my blog. You can leave a comment on the YouTube channel. You can still X me <laughs> at the Creative Pen. Ah, yes. You can email me, joanna at the creativepen.com. I'm, I still kind of haven't settled on my own social media going forward. But anyway, there's some thoughts for you today. And then in some AI and futurist news, last week I mentioned making sure you don't throw the baby out with the (laughs) bathwater, which is always a a kind of hilarious metaphor. Uh, When it comes to AI, you are allowed to have a complex relationship with AI. And in the same way that we do with the internet, for example, we love the internet. It is great for a lot of things. It is life changing. Certainly for us as authors, we could not be doing what we do. I couldn't have the career I do without the internet. So we love the internet. We also know how terrible, destructive um, uh, and awful it can be in other ways. So something can be amazing and also terrible. And we are allowed to think about both things. And it's the same with AI. So it's nice to see some more nuance coming through in some of the organisations. Uh, after all the anti-AI noise, the Authors Guild in the USA is having a webinar on how to use AI writing programmes to your benefit. The sales page says, generative AI programmes like ChatGPT are rippling through the writing world and are here to stay. The Authors Guild has been advocating for guardrails around their development to protect authors' rights and prevent the markets from being inundated with low-quality AI-generated books. At the same time, generative AI can be a useful tool for writers, with many writers already using it to brainstorm ideas, organise drafts and create marketing materials. This webinar will focus on how writers can make productive use of the programmes in a variety of writing scenarios while avoiding their pitfalls. So that is great. uh, And I'm really happy about that because, of course, I absolutely advocate guardrails and I have talked before about licensing for training models and I certainly embrace using the tools myself to help leverage my time, spark more creativity, more, etc, etc. But yeah, really good to see the Authors Guild doing that. And also on the same topic, the Independent Publishers Guild, the IPG here in the UK, is doing the same thing with a programme of AI training for small publishers expected to revolve around key AI tools to explore strengths and weaknesses and develop best practices for the data day use in publishing. All content will be tailored to the needs of independent publishers, relevant for anyone working with text-based AI, including editorial, sales, marketing and publicity. Publishers Weekly also announced a half-day training, Artificial Intelligence, Revolution and Opportunity in Trade Publishing. Um, And it looks like there will be more at Frankfurt Book Fair. So, Basically, publishing is embracing aspects of AI in public. And of course, lots of people have been doing this in private, but now it's starting to be talked about in these kind of bigger um, trade 
Media, Publishers Weekly, PublishingPerspectives.com and also the Authors Guild. And again, I I do think the only way we can shape things in a positive way is to engage with them (laughs) and demonstrate how we can use these things in ethical, creative, wonderful ways that benefit creatives and readers and is wonderful. So yeah, I hope that more and more authors and publishers will engage with AI tools. And another thing that will ensure this happens is that Google has rolled out writing with AI into Google Docs and Gmail. And I got the magic button. (laughs) It is, it says, help me write. And it's in Google Docs and Gmail. If you have signed up for the um, workspace, uh, a link in the show notes, if it's not there, it's like a little uh, pen with a sort of magic star that appears, uh, or you might've got an email about it. So it's being rolled out in phases, obviously, but I've got it. And I tried it out in Google Docs. It essentially, and I said, help me write an outline for a short story. I gave it some specifics. It wrote a short outline. And then I could use functions like formalize, shorten, elaborate, rephrase, as well as recreate uh, to work with it. I could also customize its responses. So it's not very creative at the moment and certainly nothing compared to what you can do with Claude or ChatGPT4. But I have also heard various Google people talk about the Gemini model and how that is much more impressive and that is being rolled out slowly. I did use it in Gmail though and it was awesome. And in fact, this is going to help me a lot. I asked it to write a response to a pitch for me to appear on a podcast and it was brilliant. So yeah, I actually feel like that kind of writing, if you do a lot of email like I do, having faster ways to write a first draft to an email is really useful. And uh, if you don't see that magic writing button, you can sign up at workspace.google.com and uh, there's some AI stuff there. It's free and there are lots more things coming. There's loads of things on that page. I'll link to it in the show notes. So in personal news, thanks for all your kind comments about jfpenbooks.com. I am really pleased with it. And several people have asked, uh, I use the impulse theme on Shopify, which is a premium theme uh, on creativepenbooks.com. I use the standard Dawn theme. And uh, as you probably know about these types of systems, similar to WordPress, there's kind of a uh, a back end and then there's a, a skin over it. I always kind of call them skins, uh, but themes, you can change the themes on top of the base product essentially. But yes, I use the standard Dawn and then Impulse for the new store, jfpenbooks.com. Remember, you can get discount, uh, 15% discount on print books as well as uh, ebooks and audio using discount coupon LAUNCH all caps for the month of August. So just go to jfpenbooks.com, pick what you like, use launch all caps at checkout for 15% off, including on print books. And as I mentioned last week, Catacomb is out now. It is on jfpenbooks.com and now it is also out on all the other stores. So you can go get it on your favourite store. Uh, Walker Kane didn't believe in monsters until they took his daughter. That is the tagline. And uh, if that sounds interesting, check it out in all the usual places. I'm still deciding whether to do the audiobook myself or hire someone. I'm still thinking about that. In terms of writing, I am well into my shadow book. And in fact, I'm quite tired because it is pretty hardcore. (laughs) Based on the feedback I've received, I am rethinking the title. And in fact, I'm doing a poll with my patrons at the moment. If you're a patron, please do that poll this week to help me. Uh, I've been writing chapters about the shadow side of writing this week. um, How uh, how things that people say when we're young impact our ability to write later in life and how having a dream to write a book or be a writer or the things that we dreamt about as young people and then we were told these things that essentially we then pushed the desire to write into the shadow and at some point it bursts out again and for for people listening I mean if you if you haven't written that book that burns on your heart there probably is a reason that stems from what somebody said to you a long time ago. And so I've been obviously reflecting on these things for myself and coming up with questions and ways to 
to prompt you (laughs) around thinking what are the various shadow aspects around your writing life, your publishing life, your even book marketing, um, as well as the larger collective shadows in society, in family, in religion, in the physical body and all of these things. So it's pretty draining, um, but so important. I've been writing on and off with this book uh, for a long, long time. So yeah, I'm kind of pulling out some of the chapters I wrote before, revisiting them. And yeah, I always kind of forget how much a book can take from us in terms of energy, like brain energy. It's it uh, Sometimes I kind of come away from the page feeling quite dizzy. Uh, so I wanted to mention that because it, writing is hard work. <laughs> Do not think that it's a walk in the park. I mean, I've I've sometimes think that these deeper uh, books, they do ask a lot of us. And that's important. You should get to the end of your book and feel empty. I don't like to use the word should. But if you are empty, it is because you have given it all to the page. So this is a deep and meaningful and personal book. It's also full of practical tips because it is a Joanna Penn writing craft book. It has practical tips for delving into your shadow side in order to write more deeply, discover more about yourself, your characters if you write fiction, or to go deeper into things like memoir and and your nonfiction, and hopefully help you and eventually our readers. So it is my entire focus for August 2023. More on that to come. So thanks for your emails and tweets and comments. Tira said on YouTube, what an enjoyable, eye-opening and grounding episode uh, with Michael Brent. I always I always hugely appreciate when Michael Brent comes on the show and this was talking about the shadow. It's great getting more clarity and explanation on what the shadow side means. Paying attention to what I keep in the closet behind a door of fear, judgment and difficult past experiences is a meaningful part of my life and journey. It feels great to hear others up to something similar. Thanks, Tira. And Dita said, also on the Michael Brent episode, this was an awesome podcast. I had been working on the shadow theory as I am concocting my work in progress novel. So this was valuable. I could relate where you mentioned about laziness and the shadow side of that. Yes, laziness, (laughs) such a problem for me. And I know some of some of you others out there, it's like, I must, must work. I must work unless I am actually dying. <laughs> so yes, thanks, Dita. So again, I mentioned before, you can X me or still tweet me at The Creative Pen. Send me pictures of where you're listening. You can email me, joanna at thecreativepen.com. Leave a comment on the show notes at The Creative Pen or on the YouTube channel. I love to hear from you. It makes this more of a conversation. So today's show is sponsored by draft to digital and I will play a word from Kevin Tomlinson in a minute. So yes, while I am focusing on Kickstarter and Shopify as my primary sales methods in the future, I am still publishing wide and certainly always intend to do that. And in fact, may lean more heavily on draft to digital as I go forward. For example, for Catacomb, I've started using draft to digital to publish to Apple, which I always used to do myself. And now I am shifting that over. I also appreciate their distribution to library systems and to Nook and also the payment splitting for the relaxed author with Mark Leslie Lefebvre. That actually is the Amazon ebook of the relaxed author goes through draft to digital because then they can split the royalties uh, between me and Mark. So super useful. A word from Kevin coming soon. So this type of corporate sponsorship pays for the hosting, transcription and editing. But my time as ever is sponsored by my patrons who especially support the in-between episodes on AI and other futurist topics. Thank you to all those patrons who've been supporting for years and months. You are fantastic. And thanks to new and returning patrons this week. Grace Green, Cherry Hood, Maria Franklin, Nicole, Ronnie Roberts and Elk Lake publishing. Now, if you support the show on Patreon, you get my extra monthly Q&A for patrons only and the backlist. So tons more audio with where I answer questions on writing craft, publishing, book marketing and making a living with your writing. And what I should say is I answer 
questions that people put on a um, on a list. So it's not a dialogue. It is actually me reading a question and then answering the question. I also have uh, last week I shared a video uh, about how to use Claude for some of these marketing aspects um, that you can use with AI. So more coming with patrons in time. You can support the show with just a few dollars or euros or pounds or other currencies and you get all of the above. You can support the show at patreon.com, p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash the creative pen. Right, here's a word from Draft to Digital and then we'll get on with the interview. Hi, this is Kevin Tomlinson with Draft to Digital. Ebooks are amazing, but there's just something about having your book in print. The crack of the spine, the weight and feel, the smell. Ah, everybody loves a good paperback. And that's why we built D2D Print. It's the easiest way to get your book from pixel to print with just a couple of clicks. We take care of you with free layout templates and formatting, and we can convert your ebook cover into a full wraparound print cover automatically. And if you run into trouble, we're just an email away with all the author support you've come to know and love. Come check out D2D Print and all the cool tools we've built for you. Find more at d2d.tips slash creative pen. That's pen with two N's. Ricky Wolman is the founder and CEO of Written Word Media, a marketing platform that empowers authors to market and sell their books. Ricky has been in the self-publishing space for nearly a decade. She holds an MBA from Harvard and is passionate about using her marketing powers for good. So welcome back to the show, Ricky. Thanks, Joanna. So nice to be here. Oh, yes. So I wanted to take you back a little bit. So you started out in banking and then moved into corporate marketing. So tell us a bit more about why you wanted to start your own company and why in the author space, because frankly, there are <laughs> there are more profitable businesses. So why do you care about books and marketing? Yeah, absolutely. So I would say the entrepreneurial thing came first. I always knew I wanted to start and run my own company. It was just a matter of when and how. So that had always been in the back of my mind, even as I was going through my different corporate jobs. I was lucky enough to have the opportunity to do that within the books and book marketing space due to really just luck in a personal story, which is that my mom was self-publishing a book. This is all the way back in 2000 and nine, ten-ish, when self-publishing was fairly new. And being the tech-savvy daughter in the family, I was helping her get her files uploaded and learn how the KDP platform worked. And my background was in marketing, as you alluded to. And so through the process of helping her publish her book, it became very clear to me that there was a lack of resources for authors when it came to marketing their books. And that's how Freebooksy was born, which was our very first promo site. It really just started, honestly, as a Facebook group. And that has now grown into the Written Word Media platform. So it's been a wonderful journey. I myself am an avid reader. I'm a big believer in books. So it's a confluence of events and a lot of luck that brought me to an entrepreneurial trajectory within the books and self-publishing space. Mm, and certainly I jumped on board with Free Booksy really early on. And over the years, we've become friends. And I was just listening to you there. And I've known you for so long, I'm used to your accent. But just tell people a bit about your background and what your accent is in case they don't realise. Yes, absolutely. Well, right now, at this point in my life, it's very blended, but it started out as a full-blown native South African accent. That is where I was born and raised from Johannesburg and lived there all the way through my initial schooling. I came to the States when I was 17 for college and this is home now. And it's it's quite a crazy thing. And I've spent more of my life and time in the States than, than I had in South Africa. And some of that time in New York and Boston, now I actually live down South in North Carolina. So it's a blended South African American with a little touch of, of Southern in it, if people are trying to place it. <laughs> yeah, I love I love your accent. So let's sort of take it up to the level of marketing in general, because many authors struggle. It probably is, apart from actually writing the book, which is one struggle, many writers also struggle with marketing. And I feel like there still is this feeling of 
if my book is good enough, then readers will just find it, that somehow quality will out. But I feel like that's almost a defeatist attitude. So how can authors reframe marketing to be more of a positive choice, something even creative and worth investing in? Yeah, and I wish that were true, that, you know, that the a book that's fantastic and good enough would somehow rise to the top without any marketing. That is not true. And it's not true of really any product or service or idea, really, that's out there in the world. Even some of the most amazing ideas need some marketing behind them so that they can reach a critical mass of people to make an impact. So the first thing I would say is, for authors to understand that this is true for everything across the board, not take it personally. It's not necessarily just around books in the book industry. This is just the way that it is. It does take some effort to put, you know, get a spotlight and put some attention on your work. The other thing I would say is that there's a mind shift that needs to happen. And as somebody who owns my own business, I've struggled with this as well. When I first started Free Booksy and Written Word Media, I felt a little cringy about marketing. And I think that's part of it for authors as well. It's like, well, I'm not a salesperson, I'm a writer. And for me, it was like, I'm not a salesperson, I'm just trying to offer a service that helps authors. So, how do you reframe that from being, hey, I'm pushing or trying to sell to something that's more positive? And the truth is, is that the book that you have written, is going to bring a lot of joy to the readers who are the right fit for it. And I think that's where it would be helpful for authors to focus. Instead of thinking about marketing as, hey, I'm trying to sell more of my books, think about marketing as a way to reach more people and impact more lives and that the people are out there waiting to read your book, but they don't know about it. You're actually doing a service to them by helping them discover the book that you have written. That's on the mind shift piece of it. There's kind of the first element is you have to get comfortable psychologically with selling and marketing your book. And then the second piece is, okay, now that you're comfortable, what channels and tactics do you choose in order to get your message out there? Yeah, we'll come back on that. But it's interesting. You mentioned there that this is, you know, marketing has to be done and it's true for any product, any service, any idea. And I feel like this is something that authors struggle with because on the one hand, we feel like we're artists and creatives. And so we don't want to think that our book is the same as any other product. So, and that's a, like you said, it's a mind shift, which I completely get, but it's almost like, how do we separate ourselves from the art to become a business person? Yeah, it's, I understand that perspective and it is challenging, but if you even look at some of the artists within other mediums, painters have art shows, right? They get galleries to pick them up and they have art shows and people go to those art shows to see the work. So in every realm of creativity, there is an element of marketing. Otherwise, people would be creating wonderful works, whether that be art or fiction, and it would be sitting in a room at home or sitting in a drawer in your desk. So it's it does feel maybe not a natural place to go, but I think trying to zoom out and understand that it is part and parcel of being an artist is also showing your work might help authors feel differently about it. Mm. Yes. I mean, for me, I people often say, oh, how do I balance my time? And what I tend to say is in the mornings, I do creative work. And in the afternoons, I do marketing and business. So I just call it business, which is everything to do with marketing, getting it out there and accounting and all of those things, interviews like this and other stuff like that. So I almost divide my time into two and that helps me almost divide my head into two around how I need to separate the artist and the business person. Absolutely. And I think for each author, it's going to be different. It's a spectrum, right? You could spend 100% of your time writing. And if that's all you want to do, that's okay. But then you need to hire somebody to wear the business hat and do the marketing. Or you might be an author who, like yourself, Joanna, is fine with the 50-50. Or you might be somebody who where the marketing comes very naturally to you and you actually love it. 
And so you want want to spend 75% of your time on the marketing and only 25% of your time on the writing. So I do think it's a personal choice and it's very specific to each author and their personality and what they feel called to. So you talk there about hiring someone. And of course, that's one of the things we do with Free Booksy, Bargain Booksy and what Written Word Media does is essentially we're paying for marketing services. Now, you were last on the show in 2015, which is kind of crazy. I didn't realize it had been so long. Me um, either. I know it's <laughs> crazy. crazy. It is time flies. But Written Word Media has moved on a lot since you were last on the show in 2015. So if people only know Free Booksy and or Bargain Booksy. Why don't you tell us like what is going on at Written Word Media? What can authors and readers find? Yeah, so we have grown and evolved a lot since 2015. And what I'm going to share with you is the metaphor that we share internally about what our vision for the platform is and how we're building that out. So if you think about where we started and when we chatted in 2015, we had a few promo sites, Free Booksy, Bargain Booksy, and probably Red Feather Romance were the most known or the ones that were around at that time. And the promo sites are just a super effective way to market your book in a time-efficient manner. So what we do is we go out there and we aggregate lists of readers, and then we put your book in front of readers that are most likely to purchase or download the book. So very similar to BookBub, we just happen to have a family of brands that do that. We don't have one single brand like BookBub. And the way to think about that is we had one really successful ride, right? Promo sites that work well for authors and authors enjoy, really enjoyed writing. And over time, authors have come to us and said, hey, I I need help with other types of things. And so what our vision is, we want to build out this theme park for authors that has a lot of really fun marketing rides. And the key point here is fun. I know marketing is stressful and daunting for so many authors. And so what we're trying to do is take that piece away and bring the joy back to it. So everything that we do, every product that we launch has that in mind. How can we make this easy and fun for authors? So we have, if you think about our theme park, we have our promo site uh, part of it, where we have free booksy, bargain booksy, red feather, we have audio thicket, we have new in books, and we're actually starting to bring on partners. We now have Hello Books and Fussy Librarians. So we have this really robust corner of the park that's all around uh, promo sites. And if you just want to run a promo in one of those newsletters, there it is, easy peasy. We've also built out a section of the park called Reader Reach, and this is all around Facebook and Amazon ads. So if you want someone else to run your Facebook ads, your Amazon ads, you would come to Reader Reach side of the park. One of the things that we really love about that product is that we do everything for you. So the creative, the ad copy, the targeting, and we're able to leverage a lot of the audiences that we have and the data we have to actually be more effective and running some of those ads than maybe an author could do on their own. And over time, what we're hoping to do is to continue adding different rides, different areas of the park that authors need and are going to find fun and exciting. So if you want to come into the park, you can walk right in and go to any section of the park, jump on the ride. But we also do have the equivalent of a VIP pass, which is our membership program. So you can sign up to be a gold or platinum member. And with that program, that gives you preferential access to some of the rides. It gives you access to rides that we're testing. So any kind of beta products that we have, it gives you access to a bunch of discounts for other vendors in the space. So you can picture that as there's a Reedsy kiosk. And if you want to use Reedsy, they're going to give you a coupon because you're using Reedsy because you came in through the park. And then you also get discounts on every ride that you ride to the point that if you use your membership well, you actually make back a return on your investment. So if you buy a gold membership for $125 and you ride enough rides, you actually get $250 back in value. And so that's a way of us for us to say, Thank you to authors that really want to stay in the park and ride everything. It's also a way for authors to say, hey, I love what you're doing. I'm happy to pay an annual fee. And then we're taking that and reinvesting it in building a bunch of new rides um, of the future. 
So that's the vision, which is very different from when we chatted in 2015. Mm. So the last thing I'll say about the rides is that there's one experience that we have built very recently, and that's the promo stacking experience, which is if you want to, and we'll talk about, I'd love to talk about promo stacking in more detail, Mm. but one of the most effective marketing techniques is for authors to have a concerted marketing strategy around a price drop or a discount. So instead of just running Freeboxy, you run multiple promo sites, but that tends to be quite time-consuming and arduous to organize. And so one of the experiences we've put together is promo stacking bundles. So you can walk right to that section of the park that's all around promos and tell us, hey, I'm I'm going to run a five-day promo and we'll put all the elements together for you. So we're super excited about that experience. It's the first time we've done something like that. And so far, the reception by authors has been very resoundingly positive. Mm, lots to unpack there. I love the theme park. I think it's hilarious, actually, because yeah, I mean, I, I think it's great that you're so enthusiastic and your team is so enthusiastic about marketing that you've made it a theme park. <laughs> I think for most authors, it's like marketing is not fun. But if you can make <laughs> it more fun, then I think that's it's a great selling point. And I mean, the ad stacking in particular, I think is interesting. And I joined the membership just a few months ago. One of the things I like and we'll come back on ad setting. One of the things I like is almost the reminder to myself and you do get emails. So if you run a free books, you're a bargain or one of the rides, you'll get an email which says it's been 90 days, I think, since you last ran an ad. Do you want to do another one? And I actually find that really simple thing very useful because time just flies and I'm like, okay, it's time to reschedule, which I, I think is great. And I was going to ask you, because I am I think other people might be thinking, if you run something every 90 days, how do we guarantee that there are new readers. So how are you refreshing your readers on that side of things? Yeah, that's a great question. So for us, marketing is fun. I think you've hit the nail on the head there in terms of, you know, we think theme park, we think fun. This is what we do day in and day out. And everybody's really excited about marketing. And what we do consistently day in and day out is continue to build our reader audience. So much of the membership fees and what you're paying for promos gets reinvested into marketing to build up the lists. And the reason that we recommend waiting 90 days or at least 60 is we want to make sure that we have enough new readers on there so that you're going to see great performance every time you promote with us. And so I'm not going to share our secret source of how we get those readers, but what I can tell you is that we're adding tens of thousands of new readers every month. We literally track it on a weekly basis, how many new readers are added to every single promo site to make sure that we're hitting our targets. And we have a slew of different marketing channels and a team that is focused on doing that every day. And then I guess the other question, because this is a global show, is this primarily US focused or what can people expect around the international side? Yeah, so the homegrown written word media sites are primarily US focused, but we have been candidly lacking in terms of an international audience. And that's where this partnership with Hello Books comes in that we're super excited about. So about a month ago, we announced that we have this strategic partnership with Hello Books. Hello Books is now a ride inside of the Written Word Media Park. We are actually managing all of the kind of back end. We're running the ride for Hello Books. But Hello Books has a much more diverse audience. There are, of course, US readers, but there are a lot more readers from the UK, Canada, Australia, it's, it has international reach. And so the goal is to con- continue to grow that audience with a focus on the international readers so that it, we can provide full service marketing for authors who want to reach all audiences, not just a US audience. And then still drilling down into what's available, people write different genres and each of these offerings is genre specific. So what have you found are the sort of best performing genres? How are they broken down? Yeah, so the way that we think about it is we don't play favorites with genres, but there is a natural demand curve when it comes to genres. So romance, mystery, fantasy, sci-fi, 
those are all very popular genres. So the audiences that we are able to build there tend to be very large. And so when you go in to buy a promo, you'll see that the pricing for a promo for those genres are going to be more expensive. They're only more expensive because you can get back that return because the audience is so large. Then there are other genres which are just as valuable, but tend to maybe be less popular in terms of the general audience, like literary fiction or children's or LGBTQ. And so we also build out those audiences. But when you go in to purchase a promo, those will be cheaper. So let's say you spend $30 on a promo for lit fic on bargain book C, the expectation is you will make that back in sales because the re- because the audience is so much bigger on mystery. If you spend $80 on mystery, you'll make that back in, in sales. So we're actually able to configure our pricing to make sure that no matter what genre you're publishing in, you are going to get a return. But there is, of course, disparity in the number of readers who are interested in each particular genre. What about nonfiction? Yeah, nonfiction, I would say, is squarely in the middle in terms of audience. Nonfiction is trickier because there are so many subgenres within nonfiction. So calling nonfiction one genre is a little anathema because within it, you might have biography and memoir, there's self-help and how-to, there's cookbooks, there's history. Uh, what we've done is try to break down nonfiction into the top three or four sub genres of nonfiction. And then we go and build those reader lists on those specific interests and as well price it accordingly. I will say nonfiction, especially business, is probably the one genre where there is so much more author supply than demand. So there are a lot of books being written in that genre, but there's not as much demand from readers not because readers aren't interested, but just because there's so much to choose from. So if you're interested in reading business books, you maybe you read one a month, but there are probably thousands out there that you could be reading. So we do find that to be the kind of the most mismatched genre in terms of supply and demand. Mm, that's interesting because I'm as a nonfiction reader, I'm quite different to a fiction reader and a written word media specializes in digital, but nonfiction, a lot of people read in print, even hardbacks and also I think pay top price and rather than necessarily looking at promo sites. So I think it's just a totally different market, although personally, I'd like to <laughs> do more nonfiction promotions. I feel like the market is quite different to the voracious fiction ebook reading market. That's correct. And what happens in nonfiction is you tend to get these breakout books and then they stay on the charts for much, much longer. This is a trad book, but I think Atomic Habits oh, has been a like top chart in nonfiction yeah, for years now. And it's like there are lots of other really amazing books around habit building and productivity, yet uh, James has a kind of a lock on that market. So the nonfiction tends to have more of this momentum somehow where it's really harder to knock some of the kings and queens off of their pedestals there. So it's more competitive somehow. Yeah, just different. So let's come back to the ad stacking. So back in 2014, now I can't believe it's so long, I was part of The Deadly Dozen and 12 thriller writers organized by Diane Capri, fantastic author. And we hit the New York Times list and the USA Today list. And essentially the ad stacking design, which as you mentioned, is sort of multiple promotions on different days during the week of measurement of the bestseller list. And it's so interesting because almost a decade later, ad stacking is still a good idea. So maybe you could explain a bit more about what it is. And I guess since this is about marketing in general, what are some of the other sites that authors might put together or some of the other things they might do if they wanted to make a run on a bestseller list? Now the USA Today is back, by the way. So that's quite... Yes, I saw that. Yes. (laughs) Thank goodness. We need as many bestseller lists as possible. So I was glad to see that. Um, yeah, your Dirty Dozen promotion Deadly was... Deadly Dozen. Sorry, Deadly, <laughs> Deadly Dozen, of course. Your Deadly Dozen promotion was super successful because I think you all, I think it was 12 authors, did such a fantastic job of executing on promo stacking. And the way the... Uh, another kind of analogy that I try to use when educating authors about this is to think about 
the last time you were maybe sitting in a symphony hall or going to see a Broadway th- uh, Broadway show, and you're sitting in the audience and the the orchestra down front, they start tuning just before the show. And so you might hear a cello or a violin and it kind of, you hear it and you kind of look up for a minute and then you go back to talking to the person next to you. Maybe a drum beat goes, you look up for a minute, then you go back to the person sitting next to you. But then when the whole orchestra starts together, that first note, everybody looks up and a hush falls on the audience. And that to me is what promo stacking is. If you promote on just one site, you are going to have a small impact. You're going to get some people who look up and say, okay, there's that book. That's interesting. But if you have this concerted effort that all happens together, you get this burst of activity that grabs everyone's attention so that the promotions themselves actually give you results that are greater than the sum of its parts versus having each one of the instruments, the orchestra playing together is so much more powerful. And so that's why we're just the beginning stages of this, but we're really going to be trying to build out as many different promo stacking options as possible for authors that we have found to be successful. The promo stacking, generally authors are choosing between three or five day runs. The reason that it's kind of maxed out at five is just because of the price drops through through KDP. If you're actually using KDP Select and their price drops, five is the maximum that you can drop your price. So it's not necessarily that five days is, is optimal, but it's just kind of where the industry standard has come to. And what we found to be most effective is you want to e- email, 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 right? So email your own list. Use promo sites as many as possible to get your book out via email to readers, doing any kind of email list swaps with other authors that you're friendly with. And then what we also like to do is put a baseline Facebook ads campaign, like a five-day Facebook ads campaign that runs over the whole five days to give you some foundational sales, which smooths out some of the highs and lows that can come from the different emails. So if you were to go to the site today and you go to our promo stacking interface, what you'll see are some three and five day promo stacks. We've already put those elements together for you. The Facebook ads plus say a bargain book C and a hello books and an e-reader IQ. Or if you're doing a free book, it's Facebook ads, a free book C promo, a fussy librarian promo, and maybe one other thing. So The goal is that we'll continue to expand the different elements that can be incorporated into those promo stacks, but we already have some really compelling ones out there. Uh, The last thing I'll say on that is the thing that I'm most excited about is I have done promo stacking before. As I said, my mom has books, so I have gone to every different site and set these promo stacks up, and it takes hours. It Mm. takes hours of coordination. I have a spreadsheet. I'm figuring out my dates. I'm going to each site. I have to put my payment method in every time. Some of the sites don't confirm until a few days later. So you think you've got your stack set up and then they write you back and say, sorry, that day is not available. And then you have to kind of reformulate everything. So the reason that we've picked this as one of the first places to go for experiences is because it is so painful and it is so time-consuming And we've structured it to take all that pain out. So you come to us, we're booking on all the sites. The minute you book, it's guaranteed. Those dates are set. You check out once. Something that used to take maybe eight to 10 hours now can literally take five minutes. And I'm a big productivity person. (laughs) I'm always looking for the shortcuts. And so this promo stacking tool that we have is the ultimate shortcut for authors. Yeah, it is fantastic. And what I do want to say, though, is it's obviously not free. It is a product that people are paying for, that this service. And so I think maybe we should talk about what it is good for. Um, for example, a brand new author, their first book, no reviews, possibly not the way to make their money back. Although, of course, you do have new in books as one of the sites. So what would be your best recommendation for booking? these type of spike marketing campaigns with the ad stacking uh, in order that people can see the sell-through and can at least hopefully make their money back. Yeah, and our goal is always for authors to get 
that return back. So we're always monitoring results and setting our pricing accordingly. So your question is a really good one. And it depends is, is the answer. It depends on where you are in your author journey and what your goals are. So if we're starting with somebody who has a newly published title and you're trying to build reviews and you're trying to sell some copies of the book, get some traction. The other element here is you do have to educate the algorithms, Amazon being the most important one. But slowly but surely, Apple and Google, this is on ebooks specifically, are starting to take a little bit of share. For that type of title, I would recommend a free run. And for a free run, you don't actually have to do it for that long. You could do a one-day or a three-day free run where you set your book to free. And what will happen is you'll do a, a promo stack you'll see a spike in downloads. If you're in KU, which most of the time you will be if you're doing a free free day, you actually get paid out on any reads that you get, even when your book is free. So I, I really love that element of it for, for authors who are exclusive or at least exclusive when they first launch the book and then maybe you pull the book out after. So free is good. It also generates a ton of reviews and it teaches Amazon very quickly who the right readers are for you. When we talked about that symphony, you're trying to get the attention of readers, but you're also very much trying to get the attention of the retailer where your book is being sold. And that's one way to do it. Because once you get the attention of the retailer, once the algorithm figures out, hey, this is a book that has traction, this is who the audience is, it will start doing some marketing on your behalf. It starts to show it in books you might like. It starts to send emails to readers, including that title. So, you know, free for a newly published title tends to be very powerful. Free is also very powerful if you have a series. And if you put book one as free, it really helps your read through. So you see a, a lift in sales of all the other titles in your series. So, so we love that. If you're looking for just a straight return where you have a title that's kind of the baseline sales are a little lower than you'd like, that's when doing a $0.99 cent or $1.99 promo over a five-day period would really help you to climb the charts again, spur some activity, get this halo effect going for increased visibility. And then after the promo, you should be at a higher baseline level of sales than you were before. Yeah, I think the main point is you've got to know what you want to achieve and then do your promotions around that. So we're certainly not saying just jump in and pick something, really have a think about your marketing strategy. And then, of course, it's a regular event. So I'm always building my own email list, but I also use various written word media campaigns to to do little spike campaigns through, through the year. So I guess that's the reality of the author life is these things happen month in, month out, whether it's ongoing marketing, ads, spike marketing, content marketing, like we're, we're doing here. There are just lots of things that make up that marketing ecosystem. Absolutely. And I think sometimes, especially if you're getting started, or even if you're, you've been doing this for a really long time, you can be a little unsure of what the best strategy is. We would be happy to help with that. We have a team of experts who are looking at this all the time for different authors. And so if you were just to write into us, there's no charge for this. And you say, hey, here's my book. These are my goals. We do this all the time. We would tell you, hey, here's some suggestions on some marketing tactics that that might work. And so uh, info at writtenwordmedia.com, you write in or you write on our Facebook page. We'll help with that. That's great. I appreciate that. And I hope some people take you up on that. That would be great. But I do I do want to ask you, because of course, I've been wide, been wide from the start. I mean, I've been doing this since before there was KU, like your mum. I mean, there was no KU back in 2009, 2010, when your mum started or 2008, when I started. And so one of the trends that I'm part of, and that many authors are doing now is selling direct. It's become more and more of a thing over the last few years. And I've got my Shopify stores, I've got two now. So I wondered how that might work in terms of written word media in the future. Can we maybe have our theme park with Selling Direct as well as all the big services? Yeah, absolutely. So we're very excited about this trend for authors Selling Direct and taking ownership as of of much of the customer experience, you know, reader funnel as possible. 
I'll come back to, to direct links in a minute, but the first thing we tell every author is build your email list. Like having your own email list, it's the best asset that you can build. And the sooner you start building it, the more successful you're going to be because the quicker it's going to grow. And putting a link to sign up to your mailing list at the back, in the back matter of every single one of your titles, it's the first thing you should do. That's also where you get a ton of value from running promos because as people read that book, they then come on and they sign onto your list. Um, the same, once you have a list, you can then direct people to your store. We tried this actually. We were very excited about allowing our readers to go directly to author stores. So we rolled this out earlier this year and we had some authors try it out. And what we found is that the website experience does need to be robust for this to work. And so I think, Joe and I have seen your stores, like they're fantastic, right? There's a great reader experience. You go on, it's easy to navigate. You can check out easily. It's on Shopify. It's a tech stack that makes all of this very easy. That's the dream. We're finally at a point where the technology is there and the readers are actually willing to check out on a place other than Amazon or their top five websites because they already have an account with Shopify and they get that nifty little uh, number to put in or their credit card information is already stored in their browser. So we're at a point where those two things have actually finally come together, which they had not been that way in the past. The final piece of the puzzle, though, is that authors need to be thinking about the reader experience and making sure that it's seamless. I think a lot of authors think about their experience. They're like, I'm excited to sell my book. I can make more money. So I'm going to throw my book up on here. And they expect readers to convert the same way that they would on Apple or Amazon or Google. But the reason that all those sites take 30% is because they have they spend so much time on the user experience and increasing that conversion. And so if you're going to be making taking more of the profit, you do need to be spending some time on the experience. So what we landed up doing is we actually rolled this feature back because our readers were complaining that when they got to the author's websites, it was too difficult to check out. They thought they, they bought a book, but then they're like, I don't know where my book is. I never received delivery of it. So this is something that we're, it's on our list to see how we can help authors get their websites to a point where we could then open it up again, where we could send the readers that we do have directly to their websites so that those purchases could happen there. Mm. Yes. And I mean, obviously you've been going now for a long time and hopefully the business will carry on. And I see this as really the beginning of perhaps the next 15 years of, of indie will be a rise in all, all these stores. But I completely get the technical side of things when you're building something as you are, it all has to, to work. So yes, interesting times, but good to hear that you're looking to do that in the future. Is there anything else that you see in terms of trends and things for authors on the horizon or anything else you wanted to point us to? Yeah, I mean, obviously, AI is the the big, there's a lot of buzz around that and how that's going to impact publishing. We have a optimistic view of AI. We see it as a productivity tool that can help authors write more quickly and that can potentially help authors save money by having some of the, the first pass edits of their titles uh, complete. I do think... W- it remains to be seen what the impact is going to be. And there is some concern around flooding of the marketplace with AI titles. So I think that's a trend. I, you know, I don't have any solutions or <laughs> big insights around that, but that's definitely a trend and something we're monitoring really closely on our end. And then, yeah, just echoing what you said about authors really taking ownership of their businesses, the trend towards owning all aspects of your business and not being as reliant on the third-party platforms. I do think they will always have a place, those third-party platforms. The way that we think about it is as an author, just like any business, you need to have diversified sources of revenue. And so the more you can have, the better off you're going to be. You just don't want to be dependent on one, but there's it's not like any of them are good or bad. You know, it's agnostic. You just want to have as many as possible to de-risk your business because that's what authors are. They're businesses, whether they be micro businesses or macro businesses, they are businesses at the end of the day. Fantastic. So where can people find written word media online? 
Yeah, you can just come to writtenwordmedia.com. That is the jumping off point for anything that you would need. We do have a really great blog that we have just a fantastic team of people here at Written Word Media who, as you can hear, are very passionate (laughs) about authors and marketing and all things publishing. So you could check out that blog. That's also where you can learn more about our products and services and membership. And like I said, if you have questions or if you want help around marketing strategy, shoot us a line at info at writtenwordmedia.com and we would be happy to chat with you. Brilliant. Well, thanks so much for your time, Ricky. That was great. Thanks, Joe. Wonderful to be here again. So I hope you found the discussion with Ricky interesting and that you check out the options at Written Word Media if paid marketing is part of your strategy. And even if it's not right now, they have a great blog with lots of useful articles about book marketing. So coming up this week, I have an in-between-isode with Steph Pajonas about why writing with AI tools is so useful and important for people with chronic illness, disabilities and limited time or energy. So this is something that's not being talked about so much, but there are many examples in the AI Writing for Authors Facebook group of people whose lives have been changed by AI tools. And don't worry, we're not outing anyone. We're just talking about it as a concept. And uh, I've seen people write about how they can actually work again. They can actually write again and finish books and reach readers after years of struggling. And Steph talks about her own experience. So it is an encouraging, positive look at co-creating with AI tools. Then next Monday, I'm talking to Tonya Ellis about writing books for children and how to make school visits profitable and another income stream for your author business. Now, I haven't really covered that angle before for kids books. School visits seem to be important, but I haven't really heard of authors who are doing so well uh, by charging for them. And something that perhaps we can all consider in terms of valuing our time speaking at events and becoming more professional in terms of what we charge for our time. So in the meantime, happy writing and I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening today. I hope you found it helpful. You might also like the backlist episodes and show notes available at thecreativepen.com forward slash podcast. You can also get your free author blueprint at thecreativepen.com forward slash blueprint. If you'd like to connect, you can tweet me at The Creative Pen or find me on Facebook at The Creative Pen. See you next time.